I heard somebody that uh, said, my New Year's resolution is going to be to get rid of all the bad food in the house. And they said, boy, it was delicious. <laughs> all right, Psalm 19. We're going to begin in verse number 7. Listen, let me lay, lay the premise here. God is in the business of making promises to his people, to us, those that know Christ, and he remembers those promises. We as believers are promised great rewards or crowns in heaven, but we're also promised great rewards, listen, in this earthly life. Now, before we get to heaven, let's look at Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eye. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, and yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, listen to this now. Moreover, in addition to all of that, by them, the law of the Lord, the word of God, thy servant is warned, and in keeping of them, the word of God, there is great reward. And there is the message, promises of great reward. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd uh, knit my heart with these folks. Some of them don't know me from a bag of mud. And I pray that you'd just somehow open hearts to what you have to say through my words. Thank you that we're saved. Thank you that we have a new year to look forward to and serving and living all out for Jesus. Thank you for this church, for this pastor, and his family. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you that don't know, my wife and I were married 49 years ago, December 22nd, celebrated our 49th. And soon thereafter, we walked into a place called Circle Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia. Pastor David's dad, Pastor Greg, had just started the church one year before. They were meeting in a rented building. Sound familiar? It was a church plant, and we kind of got in on the ground level. But what happened in our hearts there beyond words. Amen. We'd grown up in church. Both of us had been to Sunday school and vacation Bible school. We'd been to church camp. I'd grown up in the Awana program in our church. My dad was the director. We had memorized hundreds of verses. I had. 
And it's interesting. They haven't left my heart. I use them all the time. But even though we had been in solid churches, we grew up in two separate churches in our town, we heard something at Circle Baptist Church from Pastor Greg that we hadn't heard before. He started talking about making Bible decisions based on Bible teachings and principles. And I turned to my wife and I said, what's this principle stuff? She said, I don't know. So we went to him. And he explained to us and taught us, don't you wish that God had put your nose on your elbow so you could go, "Mm -mm," nobody would know about it? (laughs) Instead, he put it right here on the front of my face. And when you have a mic right here, it... He taught us that when you take the word of God and the principles that it teaches and you begin obeying those and making your daily constant decisions based on what God says, then you begin to grow spiritually. And boy, that's what happened to us. Hopefully we haven't stopped growing yet. Moreover, by them thy servant is warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. God delights in the obedience of his children. I've got three kids. They're all grown. They're in Pastor David's age bracket. But I delighted when my kids obeyed me. Do you as parents delight in that? Now, when they don't, it's like, man, what are they doing? What are you doing to my heart? Moreover, by them thy servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. I'd rather have the benefit of the great rewards that God promises to me than for me to cause God's heart to be hurt. So I'm going to give you three principles based on God's promises that lead to great rewards for the believer. Principle one, when the believer obediently makes God's word a priority, then God promises great rewards, get this, now, in this life. Look at Psalm 1, over a few pages. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is, look at it, in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Here it is now. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither. God promises to... Give us, in whatever endeavor he's let us, his prospering. Now, sometimes we think, okay, here's what God's going to do for me if I obey his word. But you don't know what God's going to do in your heart. 
You don't know what God's going to do in your life. It's one of the great rewards that he promises. I heard somebody talking about something recently called the 100% principle. And they said this. That's why I brought this up here, because sometimes I get a frog in my throat and I got to wash them down. They said, if you will spend 18 minutes a day in almost any discipline you want, David over here plays the piano, 18 minutes a day playing a piano. If you're a singer, practicing singing. If you're a, if you're a boxer. If you're an engineer. 18 minutes a day practicing that discipline for 365 days. Then at the end of that year, You'll be better at that discipline than 85% of the people in the world. But what does God say to spend your time in? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That's the discipline you ought to go after. My son was six or seven. I think he was seven. He came to me, he said, Dad... You read your Bible through every year, don't you? In 1976, your dad and I came here to Atlanta to a Bible conference and a preacher by the name of John R. Rice stood up and said, how many of you have read your Bible through in the last year? He said, if you've read your Bible through ever, stand up. Now, I, I, I knew a lot of Bible verses. I'd heard a lot of Bible preaching. I'd read a lot of the Bible. I knew all the Bible stories. I was sitting on the third row back here and I acted like, oh, I'm going to count all these people. But I couldn't stand up. He said, you can read your Bible through in a year. Why don't you do that? In 1976, I started doing that. I finished my Bible reading for the year last night. Again. But my son came to me and he said, Dad, you read your Bible through every year. I said, to do. He said, I want to do that. I said, David, that's a big book. You're only six or seven. I forget his age. He said, I can read dead. I said, all right. I said, boy, I am not waking you up every morning 20 minutes early so you can read your Bible and get that going before school. I am not doing that. You're going to have to do that. I'm not doing it. If you want to do this, you're going to have to kick yourself in the seat of the bridges. You're going to have to set your own alarm clock. And you're going to have to get, wake up and you do that. He said, all right. End of October, he came to me and said, I did it. I said, you did what? He said, I read it through, Dad. That little guy read the Bible through in a year. He did that 10 times before he went off to Bible college. Now listen, if a seven-year-old could say it's a priority in my life don't you reckon you and I can do that so principle number one when a believer obediently makes God's word a priority then God promises great reward and I I can't tell you all the rewards that have come out of that kid's life 
We, we, we were talking about her on the way to church this morning. Told you about Hungry for a Day, his nonprofit. One, one of those food pantries that he gave to this week put a report on, online that said 692, uh, 692 people heard the gospel and responded and were saved because of the giving of God's people to that mission. Great reward. Principle two, when we stand for and obey God and how we treat and respond to others, especially the lost, then God promises great reward. Look at Luke 6 with me. Luke chapter 6, over in the New Testament. Luke 6, and we're going to go to verse 22. Blessed are you when men shall hate you and shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you, cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake, for Jesus' sake. Look at verse 27. But I say unto you, which here, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them that despitefully use you. Boy, that's tough stuff. Look at verse 35. But love ye your enemies, and do good, lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be what? Say it with me. Your reward shall be great. Great. <clears throat> I have worked a number of secular jobs. And in almost every one of those jobs, told people I live for Jesus. And in almost every one of those jobs, I've been cursed out by somebody at one of those jobs. They decided I was the enemy. But the way I responded to them, most of those people became my friends, and some of them close friends through the years. Principle three. When we obey by giving our resources for God's work, God promises the believer great rewards, and he promises it now. Look at Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10, back in the back portion of your Bible. And we're going to begin reading in verse 34. For ye had compassion on me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. He said, you gave to the ministry by sacrificing, by the spoiling of what you had, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. <clears throat> Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Don't get timid about this thing of giving, which hath great recompense of what? Say it with me. Reward. No, no, really. Say it with me. Great recompense of reward. reward. 
God promises great reward when we just give to his work, to his servants, to his church. I call it living to give. Living to give. Finding needs and giving what you can to help others. A friend told me this. After we'd been going through a tough time financially when I was in ministry. We weren't even getting paid. I was a pastor. I told him, pay the church's bills first, and then I'll get paid. One week, I got paid $10. I tithed $1. As a matter of fact, it was $11. I, I tithed a dollar and 10 cents. But after all of that, after it was over and God met every need, paid every bill, never missed a meal, after that, a close friend said, Clay, I knew about what you were going through. I didn't give you anything. I didn't send you anything because I didn't want to get in God's way. <laughs> and I thought, I oh, ain't that cute. I didn't want to get in God's way. You, do you know what God uses to meet the needs of other people? He uses people. He uses believers. He uses, sometimes he uses the lost. By the way, this thing of giving our resources to God, receiving great reward, it starts with giving our 10% where we worship. Malachi chapter 3, it says, prove me now herewith, and I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you don't even have room to receive. When? When we give. When we tithe. We decided when we first got married, first started going to Circle Baptist, we're going to give 10% of everything. Now, at the time, I was a, I, th I think I was, a, I was, I was a Lance Corporal in the Marine Corps, and we didn't make diddle. We decided to live on the 90%. We've done that ever since, and do you know, we've never even thought about that other 10%, wondering what we could do with that. We just decided to give. Look at Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Show you some of these great rewards. Here's one of them. Matthew 6, verse 1, Take heed that you do not your alms or your giving before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, your heaven, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when you do your alms, when you do your giving... Don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have the glory of men so they can get noticed. <clears throat> Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest thine arms, thy giving, let not your left hand know what your right hand doeth, that thine alms thy giving may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward the open night. You know who takes notice when you give? God himself 
And God himself rewards you openly. He takes care of you. So three principles, several times when we obey, then great rewards are promised and by God in this earthly life to believers before we ever get to heaven. Anybody know the name Houdini? Some of you older folks may know Houdini. Oh, I got a young one down here that knows Houdini. Houdini was a great escape artist. Man, he escaped from jails and prisons and tied up in chains and handcuffs and straitjackets. The guy, no one could figure out how the guy did it. But one time they locked him in a castle in a jail cell and he couldn't escape. Houdini, the great escape artist, said, I give up. You know what they did? They didn't lock the door. Every time he tried to unlock it, he thought he was locking and he couldn't get out. Here, are, here is a door called Great Rewards. And all you have to do is open the door. And the great God of heaven, a supernatural God that knows you, knows your name, knows your heart, loves you, gave his son for you, that God promises great rewards to you. Now, how do you receive these great rewards? The Bible says obey. Obey God. Obey his word. Do what he says. Now, we as preachers often preach <laughs> the consequences of sin or why you ought to stay away from sin and do right. But the flip side of the coin is preaching the, 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 the benefits of obeying God. And when we do that, we, we don't want anything to do with anything that's going to hurt that. What are these great rewards? <clears throat> what, what, what rewards are in the mind of God? These great rewards. Bible doesn't say. It doesn't say what, it doesn't say when, it doesn't say how exactly. But I can say that it is a promise from God, and he keeps his promises. Spurgeon, the great preacher in England, said this, There is no saint, no believer, who can outbelieve God. God never outpromised himself yet. Amen. I love the song, Standing on the Promises of Christ my King. Now, I, I, I shouldn't do that. When I start singing, they lower the flag to half staff in heaven and, and people start plugging their ears. But I love the song, Standing on the Promises of God. When we stand on the promises of God, we're trusting in someone who is so great that he didn't forget one single promise and one act of obedience, not one. God himself promised great rewards. 
How much is great? As great as the promise giver. How great is great? Well, how great is God? I don't know how much great is, but I do know that if he's got the whole world in his hands, I'd rather have his hand reaching over and meeting my needs and giving the rewards that are on his mind after my obedience than for me to try to meet all my own needs. When will he give it? I picture, this is me, this is Clay Hueyology. I picture God himself seeing my obedience and saying, ah, let me scoop out a little reward for them. I'm going to put it over here in this savings account in heaven. Sees me obey, puts, puts more rewards over there. Doesn't necessarily give it to me right away. But saves it up. Because someday I'm going to need him to step in and take care of some need I have. And you do. And sometimes he does that at the very last minute, but it's as a result of what we saved. When we obey, he's got rewards for us. Now, if we're not obeying over here, he's still a great God and he can still do what he wants. But how much greater the rewards when we have saved them up for him to dish them out? 2 Peter 3.8 tells us that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. Now get a hold of that, can you? Every day we live, the Lord is on a different time scale. He's living a thousand days. So when we have a need at 12 noon, God's had years to see where that's going and years to say, let me go over here to the savings account and meet that need for every single person. Psalm 121, behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He's paying attention. Every time we obey him, every time we live by the word of God, every time we live by the principles taught in the word of God, God notices and God's keeping accounts. Now, we got an accountant over here. He understands finances. He, he's forgotten more about finances than I'll ever know. But God's way ahead of any of us in accounting. He's got it all figured out. He knows when we need, what we need. And it's not just meeting our needs. If we're following the word of God, if we're obeying him, if we're living all out for Jesus like that, then it's not only given us what we need, but it's given us greatly what we need. Amen. Let me give you a few promised great rewards that we as believers receive through faith. Number one, power. You've got the outline. When we witness to the lost, either personally, one-on-one, -on -one, or in ministry, it's one of the great rewards that God gives, his power. 
Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me all over the world, wherever we go, wherever we invest in planting the seed of the word of God. <clears throat> A couple of years ago, we had something happen at our house. We needed a repairman to come in. The company sent this Hispanic gentleman. I think he was from Honduras or Guatemala, one of those countries down there. And boy, he knew his stuff. He got us squared away. But on the way, he had a flat tire. And his helper, while he was working on our electrical, his helper said, I'll take the, the truck down to the tire place and I'll get the, the tire fixed. And by the time you're finished, then... He said, yeah, that, that's good. Got to stay on schedule. He got it fixed. He got the, the electrical fixed in our house before the guy got back with the truck. I said, man, you can sit on the front porch up here. We've got a nice rocker. Whenever he comes, you can just go. He sat down there, and I sat down in my easy chair. And I f felt this nudge. Not, not physically. But it was like the Holy Spirit said, Huey, what are you doing? The mission field just sat down on your front porch. And you're not talking to him about Jesus. So I opened the front door and I went out there and I took my Bible and I went through the gospel with that guy. And he was so open to the gospel, prayed and trusted Christ as his Savior, Linked him up with a good church on the other side of Atlanta where he lives. Amen. Power. I didn't know that was going to happen that day. But God had some power saved for me. I can't save that guy. I didn't. I, it, it, was, it was God that used me and gave me the power to witness to him. When I was an assistant pastor in Michigan, I was in my office doing something one day and the pastor knocked on my door. He said, man, we're going to the hospital. Come on, you and me. He told me the story on the way. We had a lady and her daughter. The daughter was in my youth group as a youth pastor. The lady was in the church. They were there all the time, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whenever they had church, they were there said, Wilma's husband, is, Ray, is in the hospital. They're going to put him in the, in the uh, secure drunk tank ward, whatever it's called, I forget. said, last night he got drunk. I said, man, every time I saw Ray, every time I, I, I visited that house, he was drunk. He said, yeah, but last night he threatened to kill his wife and daughter. She called the police. The police came, and they took him to jail, and they're putting him in the tank for a month. He's not going to be able to get anywhere near drinking. But it's filled right now. They've got him in a room. We're going to go talk to Ray. I said, okay. We walked in the room. He was in a bed over here. There was another guy in a bed over here. They were waiting to put him in the secure drunk tank. And my pastor stood on the left side of the bed. I stood on the right side of the bed. 
And he started witnessing to him, and every time he'd ask him a question, he'd look straight at me, and he'd answer the question. Pastor would ask him something else, try to witness to him. He would, he would look at me, and he would answer me. He acted like the pastor was invisible. I was the only guy in the room. So the pastor and I had witnessed to many people together. He looked at me and said, take it away. So I started going through the gospel of the gray. I didn't know that was going to happen. I mean, it was just, hey, let's go to the hospital. I didn't know that I was going to be the one witnessing to Ray. I had no idea. Went through the gospel. I said, Ray, if Jesus were willing to take you just like you are right now, would you be willing to ask Jesus to forgive your sins, come into your life, forgive your sins, take you to heaven, give you eternal life? He said, I sure would. And the guy over here said, man, if I was you and I was making that decision, I'd get down on the floor and kneel. And I'm looking at the two guys here. He said, that's a good idea. He got out of the bed and he knelt on the floor and we prayed and Ray McPherson got saved. He spent 30 days in the drunk tank and the next service he came to church made a profession of faith. For 30 years, Ray McPherson never missed another church service, never touched another bit of booze. What happened? Power. Number two, God gives protection. Did I I lose my mic? Am I still on? Protection. Another great reward for the obedient believer. I don't know why I'm still alive. I drive 285 a lot. (laughs) But the Bible says in Psalm 91, 11, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. I was going down Highway 92 several years ago. It was about 9 o'clock at night. I happened to be out that night, going home, headed home. It had been raining all evening, and they said at 9.10, it dropped below freezing, and I hit a patch of black ice in my truck, and I remember when it happened, I started swerving one way, swerving the other way, no matter what I did with the wheel, and I grew up in, in the Chicago area, I knew what to do. No matter what I did, I just kept sliding back and forth, back and forth. I'm going down the road, and I'm looking at a telephone pole right there. No matter which way I was going, I was going dead ahead to that telephone pole. And I started saying, Jesus, Jesus, you see that telephone pole, Jesus? My truck slid into that telephone pole, and that thing hit right behind my cab, wrapped around that tree, and I called my wife, and I said, I'm going to be a little late. I've had a little accident. Protection. I don't know about you, but as long as I drive 285, I'm going to keep going after the, the great rewards. And then provision. When we have no way to provide, we don't even know sometimes what needs to be provided. It's another time of promised great rewards. Let me give you some times when God takes care of great rewards and provision. Number one, the future. Can I give you an example from last weekend? 
My son has a condo in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, right on the beach. We went down there. Normally, we stay home for Christmas, but we went down to Dave's house and Dave's condo, and we uh, spent the weekend on, on the beach. Now, it, it wasn't all that. It was 27 degrees in the mornings, and the beach wasn't all that. We spent a lot of time in the house, in, in the condo. Two-room place. Dave and his wife had one room. Sue and I had the other room. And my daughter, Deanna, came from, Didi came from uh, Chattanooga. And she was going to sleep on the couch. And the first night, they said, you can sleep on the couch or we've got one of those blow-up mattress things, you know. She said, I'll take the blow-up. She slept on the floor on the blow-up thing. Those things just don't work for me. I don't know about you. But she never complained, never criticized. She said, I'm glad to be here. The next night, all the people, there were few people in this big condo building, but they would congregate on the boardwalk on the beach to look at the sunset every evening. My son's the kind of guy that just never met a stranger. He, he knew everybody down there. People were, people were hugging him and, and high-fiving him and bumping fists, and he was the center of the conversation. We left, we left there, went back up to the condo, and got, a knock came to the door. I heard the conversation. Guy says, follow me down here, David. I've got something I want to show you. David ran, got his shoes on, got his jacket on, and left. Came back a few minutes later. He looked at my daughter, Dee Dee, and he said, you can put it up there if you have that pick. He said, this guy has two condos rented. He wants to be able to, when his kids come down to visit him in February, he wanted that that condo so his kids could stay in the condo and have the best view of the beach. Boom! That's where Dee spent the weekend. King-size bed. Beach view every morning, all day. Provision. She wasn't complaining about that mattress on the floor. But God said, Great reward. Simple things. So the future. How about finances? Hmm. Sue and I have journals, literally. Journals full of answered prayer when we had no way to meet needs in our family, and God supernaturally stepped in and provided what we needed. I heard somebody recently say, from a pulpit, if you have ever had an answer to prayer, raise your hand. And I went, I don't have enough hands for all those answers to prayer. How about food? Have you ever had to pray food down? I don't know who's here today. 
And you may be praying for that. Some of you never have to worry about that. David, I was in Bible college. We ran out of food one day. I didn't have a credit card. We ran on cash and prayer. We ate breakfast and Sue said, that's it. I said, what's it? She said, food's gone. I said, all right, let's pray. I went to school that day and prayed through first class, second class, third class, and we had chapel every day at our school. I prayed all the way through chapel. The dean of men got up to make an announcement at the end of chapel, and he said, somebody pulled up to the college today with a semi-tractor trailer full of 50-pound bags of potatoes. If anybody needs some potatoes, meet me out here behind the cafeteria. Man alive, I went out there. I threw that 50-pound bag of potatoes on my shoulder, and I went, glory to God, all the way to the parking lot. I shouted all the way home. I walked in the house. I I know this sounds ridiculous, but I threw that 50 pounds of potatoes on the floor in the kitchen, and I said, we've got food now, woman. We had baked potatoes for lunch. We had mashed potatoes for supper. We had, what they call those things, uh, hash browns for breakfast. We had potatoes every way you can eat potatoes. But man, we got our needs met. Here's another thing, friends. Future, finances, food, friends. Jesus said. The Bible says that Jesus is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And that's true in my life. But not just Jesus as a friend, but other Christians who hold you up and encourage you and pray for you and help you through the tough times with their words. Your dad and I are like that. But my God shall supply all your needs. How? According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm sorry, but um, can you turn that off for just a second? Yes. Let's see if he did. I don't think he did. (laughs) I tried. I'm sorry. Here's another promised great reward, and that is peace. Peace in chaos, peace peace in confusion, peace in conflict, peace when there's corruption in the government, peace in calamity, great reward from God himself. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. I've got a friend who often says this. He says, I worry. It's a family trait. I love the song we we learned at Circle Baptist. Why worry? When you can pray, trust Jesus. He'll lead the way. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Rest fully on his promise. Why worry, 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 worry when you can pray? Easter morning, 2020, 
the night before, there was a, the day before, the church we were attending at the time, there was a weather forecast that, that Easter morning was going to be a terrible rainy day, 100% chance of rain. So that church, during COVID, was going to have a drive-in service that morning where everybody stayed in their cars, the pastor was up on a platform outside, they, they said, we're going to have it on Saturday night. So they had it Saturday night before the rain hit. We went to that service. Normally, we would be at Sunday morning services like we are this morning. Well, we were at home. And our Sunday school class was supposed to have one of those Zoom Sunday school meetings like everybody did. I normally logged in five minutes early. My dad always said, if you're not early, you're late. But that morning, for some reason, I decided I'm not going to log in until 9.30. I was sitting at my desk downstairs in my office, my business office. Next door, my daughter, Dee Dee, was, was in the bedroom next to us, next, next to the office. She was waiting to log in on Zoom to her Sunday school class or whatever. At 9.27, I heard a strange noise. I thought it was out in the garage. Immediately heard it again. I got up out of my chair and I walked. I opened the door and I heard the noise coming from her room. I went to the stairway. I called upstairs. I said, Sue, get down here right now. She comes running down the stairs. I said, check on Dee Dee. You know, I was trying to protect her privacy. She walked in. Dee Dee had taken her, she was on her bed, she had taken her computer, thrown it off to the side, and Dee Dee was laying there, gone. She had gone into cardiac arrest. She had had some real serious health problems before that. Her body shut down. I looked at Sue, I said, call 911. I went around the bed, and Dee Dee was laying on the bed here, and I started doing chest compressions. It's all I could think of. Chest compressions. She, she wasn't breathing. There was, there was no, no, no friction in her muscles. Her, her, her body was completely limp. Her eyes had rolled back in her head. And I started doing chest compressions. And I started praying out loud, oh, God, bring Dee Dee back. Oh, God, bring Dee Dee back. I said, breathe, Dee Dee. God, breathe. Make her breathe. Oh, Dee Dee, wake up, Dee Dee. Sue's on the phone with 911. They were sending the, 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 the EMC guys. It was several minutes. We figure at least seven minutes, up to nine minutes maybe, before they walked in the door. And about a minute before they did, I had my arms here. She's prone here. I saw two eyes that had been gone open up like saucers. I said, breathe, Dee Dee. I did the chest, I, I, I kept doing the chest compressions. And all of a sudden, 
two arms came up and grabbed me so hard she put puncture wounds in my arms. We figured, she said, I probably thought I was being attacked, waking up like that. Then she said, bolt upright in the bed. I said, breathe, Dee Dee. Oh, glory to God, breathe. And she started talking. I was holding her shoulders. While she's upright in the bed, she started saying, Mom. Sue was outside in the, in the garage area waiting for the EMC guys. And she said, Mom. I said, Sue, come here. She wants to talk to you. She said, Tell dad to stop shaking me. <laughs> a minute later, just a few seconds later, she said, Mom, Mom. I said, Come here, Sue. She said, Tell dad to stop yelling at me. <laughs> Seen eyes that had no life open wide. Hearing a gasp for breath after seven minutes or more of no breathing. Having hands reach out and grab my arms when they'd been lifeless. Seeing her go from laying in death's bed to life. Her heart pumping after they'd been cardiac arrest. She's alive and well now. She stayed in that room. After all those years, obeying, living all out for Jesus, and God saying, I got this account over here. And I just have to believe that my God reached over there. Great reward. Great reward. There's one more P in the puzzle. It's not on your page, but it's on mine. And that is present possession. I'm going to turn to 1 John chapter 5. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life and this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath promise present possession. He that hath the Son hath everlasting life. And this life is in his Son. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior, as the one who, and the only one who could forgive your sins, the only one who can give you eternal life, when you do that, then that great reward his eternal life as a present possession.
You say, oh, I'll figure it out myself. Uh-huh. That's called religion. I'll do this and do that and do this and try this and try that. And you know where people that try to figure it out themselves apart from God go when they die? And we're all going to do that. We're all going to die. They go straight to a burning hill for eternity. But God, in his grace and mercy and love, promised us everlasting life in heaven through Christ. A present possession. We have eternal life right now when we trust Jesus. We're going to live it out in eternity after we die. But it's ours now. Glory to God. Jesus has already done it all for you. You see, when Jesus died, he died because we had a problem. Our problem was sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's our problem. For all, that's everybody that ever lived, have sinned. The Bible says there is none righteous. Righteous means perfect. Jesus is the only one that's perfect. But then it says, but God commendeth. That means he proved his love to us and that while we were yet sinners, even though he knew we had a problem, he had the solution. Christ died for us. When he died for us, then everything that needed to be satisfied in the eyes and the mind of a holy God was satisfied. Jesus hung on the cross, died for our sins, not his. The reason he was the only one that could die was because he was the perfect lamb of God. He was God's son. When he died, then he took all my sin on him and I got the, in exchange, I got my sins forgiven. And when God looks at me, he looks at me just like he looks at Jesus. Sinless. And then it says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. When you believe that in your heart. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. When you say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I know I'm a sinner. I, I pray you'd forgive my sins. Just like that. The precious, great promise from God, the great reward from God is he gives you eternal life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that word. Saved. Saved. Why do we need to be saved? Why do we need to be rescued? Because if we didn't get God's son in on the rescue then we had no rescue. We'd have to pay for our own sin. The Bible calls it saved, rescued from having to pay for our own sins. Rescued from having to go to hell. Have you been rescued? Have you been saved? Have you? You can trust God to keep his promises. Why don't we in 2023... Decide we're going to make seeking after his great rewards through obedient living our priority. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Give me just a second. Nobody moving about. Let me ask you, Christian. Are you actively searching out Bible principles and obeying them? Are you spending time in the word of God and saying, here's something I can obey? And begin doing that? 
Are you experiencing the great rewards that God has promised when we give? May I challenge you to store up some great rewards in heaven? Spend some time every day in the Word of God. Take that 18 minutes and just read the Word of God. Think about it. Stand up for Jesus even when others don't understand how precious he is to you. Living to give. Find out how you can take of your resources and meet somebody's needs in some way. You say, that's me. I'm going after that kind of Christian living in 2023. Would you raise your hand? I'm going after that. I'm going to live like that. I want God's great rewards. God bless your hearts. Hands all over. I wonder, could it be that you couldn't lift your hand because you've never really been saved? You've never really made sure you were on your way to heaven through Christ? Maybe you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior from sin. He's never washed away your sins. He's never forgiven your sins because you've never asked him to with your mouth. You've never given God your life. Teetotally, whole hog, I mean all of it. You've never made the step into the family of God. You don't know eternal life is a present possession. Are you here? And you say, that's me. Just between you and me, nobody else is looking around. Clay, I don't know for sure that that's a present possession in my life. But I want to know that. Would you pray for me? I will. Would you just raise your hand? All right. That indicates to me that we have a room full of believers. Take God at his promises this year, Christian. Take God at his promises and begin experiencing those great rewards now.